0: y'all. How y'all doing? Yeah. Y'all doing well? Yeah. Are you blessed? Yeah. Are, some of y'all like, I don't know. Are you blessed? Amen. Yeah. Hey, See, I, don't, I got a little rest over this last four days, so I'm just so relaxed. How many of y'all getting good rest? Yeah. That's not what we're talking about today. I'm just asking you, just ask your pastor, how many of y'all getting good rest? Okay, that was about five of y'all literally. So I am charging each and every one of you guys to get some good rest. Amen. Amen. You are spirit, soul, and body. I don't have time. But if you don't have time, then I would encourage you to reprioritize your time. Amen. 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 Because you know it's difficult to try to serve God when you're just physically too tired, mentally not in the right place. Amen. You want to know why you keep cussing everybody out? Because you need some rest. Sometimes it ain't a demon. Sometimes it ain't deep. It is just that you need a break. And and the harder you go at serving, and the more you go at serving, the more breaks you need to take. See, the way that your life may be uh, reorganized under this understanding, it may be that you spend just as much time off as you do on. At least that's how it's working out for me. Amen? The other thing, we talked about this in our pastoral class today, the other thing uh, that you may find is that if you feel like you're doing too much, it's not necessary that God didn't call you to do all that stuff, but he didn't call you to do it alone. Amen. And sometimes we've taken on everything that God has told us to do, but we haven't allowed a space for others to help us. We haven't recognized the gifts and the calls in other people, and sometimes our husbands or sometimes our wives, amen, have the rest of what we need to get that thing done that God is t- telling us to do. It's for somebody. You just sit there and smile and look straight ahead. <laughs> Amen. But, but, but God has called us to do stuff, and sometimes we're just so burned out, and we're like, oh, I can't do it no more. I can't, you know, and God is like, no, I don't, I, you're not supposed to quit. You're supposed to share. Yeah. Share this vision so that others can hold it up with you and get this thing done. Yeah. So that you can still maintain your balance and get your rest. Some of y'all got 17 years of vacation time saved up because you hadn't got no rest. Amen. Do you know that being able to rest, I guess this does go with what we're talking about today. Do you know that being able to rest is a sign that you trust God? Being able to rest and take breaks is a sign of maturity. Amen. Amen. That's a sign that, Lord, I recognize that I'm not at the center of this, you are. And because you love me and because I know you, I know that me taking a week off or taking a day off or getting away by myself when you're telling me to is not going to cause my life to fall apart. Why? Because my life is in your hands. And if my life is in your hands, there is no letting go. There is no failing. There is no falling. Your children are in the hands of God. Your household is in the hands of God. Your job is in the hands of God. Your marriage is in the hands of God. Everything about you is in God's hands. Now, my encouragement to you is to rest and leave it there. Amen. Amen. Somebody say, I'm going to uh, wait for the Lord. Somebody say, I'm going to wait for the Lord. Somebody say, I'm going to rest. This post, it might say your life. I'm trying to tell you. Sometimes the dis-ease that you have in your heart is because of dis-ease that's in your mind and the stress that's going on and the things that are happening. And it's because you find yourself maybe sometimes in spaces that God did not call you to be in or be in by yourself. Amen? Amen. And we got to know how to back up and we got to know how to rest and wait for God. Amen? And sometimes rest looks like getting on that cruise ship. Amen. Don't be mad at me when y'all, start, when y'all see my posts over the next couple of weeks. Now, I'm, I'm just trying to prepare you. We're past that. He gone again? hmm hmm Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm telling y'all early, so don't be not, don't be skipping church. You talking about, I'm going to watch it online this week. I got my oldest girl graduating uh, in a couple of weeks. We taking her somewhere. Amen. You don't know, work hard. And I didn't, you know, I didn't even pay attention, you know, my, my kids have gotten such good grades over the years, we don't hardly pitch. I'm like, this girl got straight A's and like a B. Uh, the other one got straight A's. And they, I mean, through her whole high school career or her whole middle school career. And I'm like, that deserves some recognition. So we're going to take her somewhere in the beginning of June and then uh, continuing to maintain my marriage, glory to God, because uh, it always needs maintenance, like yours does. Amen. We're going to get away at the end of this month and uh, go, go do some stuff there. And, and then we're going down to the Grace Life Conference. Glory to God. And what is that, in July? Yeah. Dude, y'all hating. That's, that's all right. That's fine with me. I'm going to be up here rested, having a good time, and you're going to be Pray for me. Pray for me. Come on now, y'all. Y'all got the same Holy Spirit I got. You got the same Jesus uh, that, that died for you that I got. Amen. I want you to take your rest. You hear what I say? Ain't nobody going to give it to you. You got to take it. And it starts by taking it mentally first and saying, Lord, I trust you enough with all my stuff that I'm going to wait and rest. I trust you enough with all my stuff that I'm going to wait and rest. And then when you tell me what to do, I'm going to do it. Lord, we pray for that missing whoever it is in Jesus' name, and we thank you that they are found in Jesus' name. Amen. But yeah, you, you got to be willing to wait, and you got to be willing to rest on Him. And and the more I'm studying the Word, the more I'm seeing uh, that what Doctor Dollar was saying was absolutely right. This whole thing is about knowing Him, because when I know Him, I rest, because I know He don't mess up. No, God doesn't make mistakes. I remember being a um, 20-something-year-old youth pastor in Atlanta, Georgia at, at World Changers and sitting there and having 500 to 600 kids waiting uh, for me to come up and share the word. And uh, one day I was standing in the back and I got nervous. The Holy Spirit checked me real quick. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm scared. <laughs> How come? I don't want to mess up. He said, who's talking, you or me? <laughs> I figured the right answer was you. He said, I don't make mistakes. And every since then, I've gotten up to speak, just trusting God. That's an example of waiting for him and resting in the fact. There is no anxiety when you rest. There is no fear when you wait on God. There is no nervousness. There is no what if it doesn't work out because it is God who has you in his hand. I got to be willing to trust him. I got to be willing to trust his will. I got to be willing to trust his purpose. And as I do that, I'll find myself at rest. How do I know I'm waiting for the Lord? You're at peace. You're at rest. How do I know I'm waiting on the Lord? You're at peace. You're at rest. Joy is a product of waiting for the Lord. How can you say that? Well, joy is all about what you know about God and his love for you. I know god loves me i know god got me so i got joy i'm not worried about anything oh it looks like stuff is about to fall apart but i'm good because i trust him i'm doing what he told me to do i know i've been obedient to his word i know i'm and and, and understand obedience to his word doesn't get you the blessing because you're already blessed obedience to his word keeps you in line with his will keeps you in step with his timing for your life amen Obedience to his word causes you not to miss the blessing that's already yours. Amen? So I know I've been obedient to his word. I'm right where he told me to be, doing right what he told me to do, and I'm at rest in that. And as a result, I don't know why this thing looks this way, but I declare in Jesus' name, it has to change. Well, That sounds like faith. That's exactly what that is. That's exactly what that is. And that's what that scripture talks about when it says fight the good fight of faith. It's not, you're, it's not that you're fighting trying to get that thing to happen. It's done. You're fighting to make sure you maintain your position mentally so that you maintain your position physically that all is well. That's a good fight of faith. It's a fight that you know I already win, so I'm willing to stand here and wait for the Lord, trusting that he has already taken care of this. Turn to uh, Isaiah forty. Isaiah 40, 31, and we'll look at this in the amplified. Isaiah 40, 31. Uh, I'll, actually, I'll read it in the King James first, and we'll read it in the, in the amplified. It says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I mean, you guys know you got strength, but sometimes it needs to be made new again. I don't want to walk into tomorrow with yesterday's strength. Amen. I need new strength because there's new things for tomorrow. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall crawl. They shall be begging. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. The Amplified says, but those who wait for the Lord... Now, here's the definition of waiting for the Lord. Who expect, look for, and hope in him. I know you came to church today looking for a word from the pastor, but your hope got to be in him. I, I, I know come tomorrow, or sorry, I know come Thursday or Friday, you looking for that check to show up, but your hope has to be in him. Because for some of us, the check is fit before it even shows up. So I need him to do more with what I got. And that's what he'll do. He'll, he'll do more on the pastor than what you expected. And then more will come out of that word when you listen to the voice behind the word. He'll do more with that money. He'll do more with that marriage. He'll do more with those relationships. He is the one that your hope has to be in. Amen. Amen. And I expect that. I look for that. Not in anybody else, not in anything else, because I'm going to be honest with you, anybody else in anything else has failed me. Anybody else in anything else has messed me up, including me. He is the only one who's never failed me. He's the only one who's never led me astray. He's the only one who never gave up on me. He is the only one who never let me go. So why would I trust in anything other than the thing that has been steady and sure for me, and that is my God? we expect and we look for and we hope in him but those who wait for the Lord shall change and renew their strength and power they shall lift their wings and mount up but in a specific place it's not just you flying all by yourself (laughs) because that's the picture people get mount up with wings on eagles you see yourself rising up like a phoenix out of the ashes and and flying Uh, no, no 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 you will always be with and connected to the source Close to God as eagles, Mount up to the sun. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint or become tired. How many of you guys catch yourself just saying, I'm tired? I'm tired. When are you tired? When you don't get rest. Well, let me think. Thank you, Lord. When you don't get proper rest. Some of y'all go to sleep and you wake up tired. Why? Because my mattress jacked up. Why? Because you were snoring all night. Why? Because, you know, so I can find myself getting rest, but but am I getting proper rest. What is proper rest? Proper rest is waiting for the Lord. Proper rest is saying there is no interruption to my trust in him. There is no distraction to my reliance upon him. I am 100% expecting him, and I am at rest let's look at hebrews 12 1 through 3 that talks about this as you study the word of god especially in your amplified bibles and different bibles pay attention to those um, scriptures in brackets and parentheses behind a lot of scriptures because they'll give you more depth of what that scripture means in context So it's talking about waiting for the Lord. It's talking about hoping and expecting him. And this scripture says, therefore then, and we're going to go all the way to verse three. It says, therefore then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth. Now we were just talking about waiting for the Lord, people who hope and expect in him. And what this is beginning to talk about is there's some people who've done this before that you can look at. It says, from their example, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight. And that sin which so readily, deftly, and cleverly clings to and entangles us. We know that from our teachings before that all sin has its roots in unbelief. Not trusting God, not relying on God. That indeed is the sin that so easily tries to sneak up on us and trip us up. That's what it's referring to. That's why it's referencing Isaiah 40:31, and this is referencing Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. It's saying the thing that will trip you up is not trusting God, not waiting for Him. You got to be willing to lay that aside because it will mess you up. I said it will mess you up. The devil has no authority in your life. Did Jesus defeat him or not? Did the blood work or not? Then he has no authority in your life. It is not him who messes you up. He makes the suggestion, but your unbelief is actually what trips you up. Amen. Un- How do I know I'm in unbelief? You're taking control. You're not trusting him. And when you take control and you don't trust God, that's what it's talking about. It says it's a sin which so readily, deftly, and cleverly clings to and entangles us. It says, and let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence, the what type of course? Pointed. The what? Pointed. The a pointed course. Well, who's, who's pointing me to the course? Well, that's a question you got to ask yourself. Because I should be being pointed to the course by my relationship with the Father. Amen. But I have to honestly ask myself in every area in every of my life, who's pointing my course, who's pointing me to my course? Who's leading me? Who's guiding me? Is it me? Is it God? Is it my family? Is it my children? Is it my job? Who has authority over my time? Who's priority in my life? You know, I asked myself this same question. I had to back up and I realized it was the ministry. Something gifted and blessed to me of God had taken the place of God. Whatever was going on in the ministry, whatever needed to happen in the ministry, that's what dictated my time. How many of you guys know that's not of God? How cleverly that can be taken and perverted and twisted and have me right in sin, in sin serving. Oh, because I didn't slow down and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, who's appointing my course? Yes. The appointed course of the race that is set before us. Now a race has a start and a, finish. yeah, a start and a finish. And the promise is that your finish is good. Your finish is a finish of victory. I say your finish is a finish of victory. <laughs> I know you might've failed, I know you might have tripped over a hurdle or two. I know you might actually be on the ground right now. But the good news is, is you get up. And the good news is, is you get back in it. And the good news is, is that you catch up and that you overtake and that you win. That's a promise from God. Verse 2. It says, looking away from all that will distract. Looking away from all that will distract. What are the things trying to distract you in your life? That's what the serpent did when he came to Eve and began to tell her stuff about a tree that had been there that whole time. And she wasn't distracted up until that point. Adam wasn't distracted up until that point. But there are things that the enemy will plant in your life to try to distract you from Jesus. And it says instead of looking from Jesus, look away from all that will distract You from him, because he's the leader and the source of your faith. I have to keep my eyes on the source if I want to continue to receive from the source. But some of us think we can look away from the source and then follow the direction of the source while paying attention at the same time to the thing that distracts us. James has a name for that type of person, a double-minded person. He says you become unstable in all your ways and you can't receive things from the Lord. Why? Because I'm not looking at him. It's literally like he's there with the, you know how they do it for the planes and they tell you which way to go with them, them sticks. It's literally like he got the sticks and he's showing you where to go and you're like, I'm paying attention to this while trying to drive the plane. What's going to happen to a plane that does that? It's going to crash. And you think the crashes in your life are because God doesn't love you. You think the crashes in your life are because of the sin that you've experienced. You think the crashes in your life are because you're unqualified for it. No, you may be experiencing crashes simply because you've just lost focus. And I got good news. Jesus is still not giving up on you. He's still in the same place saying the same thing, waiting for you to just simply turn and wait for him. He's the source of your faith. Now, I love this. Giving the first incentive for our belief. What does that mean? Giving us, giving the first incentive for our belief. It's the communion that you just took. Because of the body and because of the blood, I believe in that. That's my incentive to trust him. That's my incentive to believe. His blood did the job. His body did the job. It literally says, and it's also its finisher. He finished it all and he's finishing it all in you. I just need to trust God. He, for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him, endured the cross. He did his job. He ran his race, despising and ignoring the shame. Now it's, it's literally paralleling his walk to what he just told us to do. He told you, ignore the distractions. And now it's saying, your Jesus did it. He went through the same thing and he did it. So if you're like, I don't know how to do this, follow his example. His race was the cross. Amen? Amen. That's what he did. Amen. And he had distractions. Somebody beating your skin off is a distraction. Yeah. Folks lying on you is a distraction. Amen. People trying to kill you is a distraction. they just trying to fire you. They literally, constantly were trying to kill him. All right. But he was able to ignore the, the shame and the distraction and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, just think of him. When things get rough, just think of him. When you think you're the only one, just think of him. Just think of him who endured from sinners such grievous opposition and bitter hostility against himself. Reckon up and consider it all in comparison with your trials, so that you may not grow weary or exhausted, losing heart, and relaxing and fainting in your minds. You have an example in Jesus. Grace provided a way for you to have the power and an example of how to walk out this waiting for the Lord. So, just to quickly recap from our last couple of weeks of what waiting for the Lord means waiting for the Lord simply means that god is your source waiting for the lord is all about lord what do you want from me what do you want me to do where do you want me to go what do you say i should have in life See, understand, I used to have this thing totally backwards. I I, I used to think I was waiting for the Lord because I would have an idea of what he, I thought he wanted me to do, and I would say, how do you want me to do this? Now, I realize that I wasn't really consulting him on the front end of what do you want me to have? Do you want me to have a car right now? Do you want me to have a house right now? Some of you in an apartment, you, Lord, I'm believing for that house. Does he want you to have a house yet? Are you ready to pay insurance? Are you ready to make sure your HOA is squared away? Are you ready to pay your taxes? How about taxes? Are you ready to, (laughs) I want to live in that neighborhood. Well, that neighborhood got taxes that's way above that neighborhood. Amen. And it's not that he doesn't want you to have it. It's are you ready for it right now? So I got I to gotta wait for him and I got to consult him on the front end and say, what do you want me to have? Lord, I thank you for my mate. I thank you for my husband. I thank you for my wife. And God's like, I, I, you're welcome, but I'll give them to you as soon as me and you ready. We got to get on one accord first so that you can be whole going into that marriage and that you're not looking for that man what only I can give. You're not expecting from that woman what only I can give you. Y'all don't want to hear this today. Oh, sure, he wants you to be married, absolutely, if, if, if that's what your desire. He, he wants that, but Lord, what it has to become is not what my desires are, and then you help, with, help me with my desires. It has to be, what are your desires for my life? God is all about giving you what he wants you to have. But he requires you to trust that what he wants you to have is good for you. Because when we find ourselves following after our will, that's when often his hand can't be on it because it's not his thing. And then we get frustrated and we start, start going through all these uh, mental circles of, Lord, you know, is this the problem? Is that the problem? And he's like, nope. Problem is you just got to wait for me. You just got to trust me. If you understand that, say amen. amen. So God is the source I'm dependent upon when I'm waiting on him. And as soon as I initiate waiting for him, I can then expect stuff to happen. As soon as I get in line with his will for my life, I can expect provision. Think about that word provision. You take that compound word and you break it up into the two words that are represented. What are the two words there? And what? What does that word pro mean? When you're pro-life, when you're this, that, and the other. What does pro mean? Right. So for, what does vision mean? What you see. God will give you everything that you need for what he sees for you. But if he don't see it for you, he can't give nothing for it. He has only provided for what he sees for you. So you have to wait for him and get with him and say, Lord, what do you see for me? Now, there's some things that you already know that he sees for you, such as healing. Lord, it's not like, Lord, do you want me to be healed right now? He already says you were healed. So that's a promise you can just pull down and just declare and say, boom, it's done. But there are some things in our lives that are just not chapter and verse so clear like that. And we have to get before God and say, Lord, what do you have for me today? And he'll tell you. He's not trying to hide it from you. There's scriptures that say, I'm not hiding this information from you. And then what I can do is all of a sudden when he says, this is the year you will be married. Let's just use that example. Now my confessions can just line up with what God says. Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name. You provided my spouse. Because as you said in our conversation the other day, this is the year. So I declare and decree it all as well. I thank you and praise you that we come across each other's past. I thank you that they are ready for all the goodness that they're going to get when they meet me. (laughs) Your prayer totally changes because you know he's going to provide for you. And now you're not wasting time praying for stuff and believing for stuff that ain't, for you at that time. And and he says, yeah, absolutely. And you're just lining yourself right up with him. You got peace. You got joy. Why? Because you know the will of the Father, and you're lining yourself up with it. So that's how, when you do that, you find yourself not growing weary, exhausted, losing heart and relaxing and fainting your minds. Why? Because I'm trusting in what God told me, not what I think, and I'm trying to get him to agree with we got to change our ways of trying to get God to agree with our will and instead get in line with his will. Here's another definition that I want you to write down for waiting for the Lord. Waiting for the Lord simply means looking to God for consultation. Looking to God for consultation, relying on God before any human aid is pursued. Relying on God before any human aid is pursued. To wait for God is to trust God first. To wait for God is to trust God first. It's to depend on God first. It's to rely on God first. And it's to lean on God, guess what? First. Yeah, first is the key. First is the key. You are the one I wake up to. You are the one I go to sleep to. You are the one I consult at all times for all things First I love my wife but he's first I appreciate and 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 love the staff that we have here at world changes and the leaders and the volunteers but he gets first call amen I'm not trusting in him first to tell me how to do what I want to do no what I'm doing is I'm going to him first empty somebody say empty I'm going to him first, empty of my desires and plans and full of expectation based on his love for me that I've experienced in my relationship with him. I go to him first, but I also go to him first and I have to empty myself first. This is what I found. Because sometimes I'll I'll play this religious game and I'll, Lord, I'm at you first, but I still on the inside kind of know what I want to (laughs) do. So I've had to learn. I'm just trying to make this really practical. I've had to learn to go to him first and say, Wait a minute, Lord. and I I would literally have to just eject every preconceived idea out of my mind based on my experience, based on my gifts and talents, based on what others have said. I have to eject all of that. Even if I end up back at that same conclusion, that's great, that's God. But I got to eject all of that because it gets in the way, doesn't it? It gets in the way and you start coloring his word with your thoughts and with your ideas. But there's a way just to eject all that and come to him basically naked and saying, Lord, what in the world are we doing today with this? How are we supposed to work this out? What do you want me to have? Because, you know, I've heard some radical things from the Lord. Sometimes he'll say, shut it down. Sometimes he'll say, let it go. All right. And it's like, what? I thought that was working. He said, it's done. It's ran its course. It did what I wanted to do. And that's something I wouldn't know. I mean, we're not quitters, you know what I mean? And so, so, so it's like, there, there's some things that you just wouldn't shut down just for the sake of, that's not what I do. I don't just shut things down. But you're not realizing that God has a vision for you. And he's trying to get you to let that thing go because he has something greater now over here for you to do and something greater that's going to yield even more for you to do. This is for a business person uh, uh, that's going to yield more profit for you over here and he's trying to get you to let this thing go but you're holding on to that thing and he's saying, let it go. Whoever that's for, let it go. You're maintaining something that's, that's dying, and he's saying, listen, I'm trying to get you to let it go while it's still alive so that you have what you need to put over into this other thing. I'm going to say it the way he said it. So that you have the capital and the finances that you need to invest into this greater thing. Amen. So whoever that's for, let it go. Amen. Amen. I'm just going back to over here because... <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? I thought he was talking to me at first. I was like, what? He said, no, that's for them. I said, amen. So I expect from God first when I'm waiting on God. I go to him before I try to work it out on my own. I just really want you to get this understanding that waiting for the Lord is all about expecting him and going to him, expecting from him and going to him first. And that you have to be really practical with yourself and really disciplined is the word I'm looking for uh, to wait for him. This is not just some super spiritual idea. It's it's a very simple spiritual idea, but it takes discipline. To tell yourself, shut up. (laughs) Sit down. Be quiet. So we can hear what he got to say. Because many people think they can't hear from God. And it's not that they can hear from God, they're just not in the practice of hearing from God. Because they're just so used to hearing from the easier sources, meaning the ones that they can more so tangibly feel with their ears or their eyes or their, or their feelings. But to hear from God requires a quietness, requires a stillness, and it requires knowing him. Amen? Amen. Let's keep going. Uh, well, I have a note here, that says, uh, my attempt to employ human aid is not waiting for God and can get in his way. What does that mean? Uh, I don't, you know, maybe you're trying to pay a bill or something like that, and you're just like, Lord, you know, I, I got this thing, I know you told me to get it, and you know, but now I gotta pay for it, and what's the deal, and this, that, and the other, and he's like, just wait for me, and you say, no, I think I'm gonna go into the cash advance place and, you know, go and get the cash advance thing, because if I get it three days early, then I, I can pay it back without, uh, you know, all the fees and everything like that. Don't ask me how, I know what I, that ain't none of your business. Uh, but, but, you get out there and you do this thing. And God's like, I didn't tell you to do that. And so now you're caught in some $300 every week payment uh, that's just ridiculous and now you're in debt and this, that, and the other. Getting something that God told you to get, but now he didn't tell you to pay it back that way or he didn't tell you to do that thing that way. It's simple things like that. And trusting God and waiting for God says, you told me to do it, and so now you will provide for it. But there's a key on the front end of that. Did he tell you to do it? Who's appointing your race? Because what often happens is we do get ourselves into stuff sometimes, don't we? That he didn't necessarily tell us to get in. And then we say, Lord, help me. (laughs) Now here's some good news. Because of his mercy and because of his grace, he will make a way. (laughs) Somebody said thank you. He made a way for you out of sin. He'll make a way for you out of debt. He'll make a way for you out of failure. He is not holding it against you. But now the flip side of that is don't abuse it. Yeah. At some point we have to become mature, and that's what this is all about. We have to become mature to the point that we no longer have to rely on miracles, and we no longer have to rely, the key word is rely, rely on mercy. And we can just operate in what grace has provided. Grace has provided you a relationship with the Father. Grace has provided you a relationship with the Creator. The question is, is do you know Him enough that you trust Him? I need somebody in the room right now to give me $5,000. Now now look, now look, some of y'all hesitate like, why that joker need $5,000 from me? I don't need that, I'm just saying. You're not going to just give me $5,000. You don't know me, some of y'all don't know me like that. They don't know what you're going to do with that. And you a preacher. Why you asking me for money? Like some of y'all heart just got hot when I said that. See, I knew it. I knew it was coming. He just a little creflo. He was going to go turn around and da 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 When you don't know somebody, you're not going to just trust them with stuff like that. And so it is with God. Many of us know God is real. We've seen God move, but we don't know him enough to trust him. And that's what God wants. God is saying, Come and spend relationship with me. Let me prove myself to you. Let me show myself to you. And and, and then this relationship and this trust and this partnership will become developed and you'll be able to do all that I have for you and all all that I've called you to do. But I recognize the fact that many of us, we, we we don't obey God because we don't hear him and we don't hear him because we don't trust him. And and you have to know God for yourself. Somebody say, for myself. It's it's, it's not enough to to know the God of mom and dad. It's not enough to know the God of my pastors. It's not enough to know God, the God of Creflo and Taffy Dollar. I got to know God for me because I need to know how to trust him and follow him and wait for him in my life. We're here to show you the way. We're here to give you the truth. The Holy Spirit is here right now ministering to each of you individually. He is your teacher. Yes, I have a gift to teach you. Yes, I'm here to sharing what he said, but he is behind me teaching you what you really need to know. A long time ago, I took the pressure off of me of of trying to get everything you need to know into your head. I said, wait, I ain't the Holy Spirit. I don't know what's going on in each one of y'all lives. All I can do is hear what he says and put out the general message and articulate it the best I can as I'm working on me. And then the Holy Spirit takes that imperfect thing and he perfectly ministers it to your heart. And if you allow it, if you allow it, if you allow it, it will then minister to your soul. And it will change the way you think and as a result, it will change the way you live. And as you go through that process over and over again, you'll get to know God even better and better and better. And as you get to know him better, you will end up trusting him more. If you understand that, say amen. 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 Let's look at uh, an example of this real quick in the word. Uh, go with me to Exodus chapter 14. I mentioned this very briefly last week, and I want to look at it a little look closer today. Uh, Moses and the children of Israel found themselves in a the very uh, similar situation. Moses himself found himself in several situations like this. Uh, Moses found himself on the backside of the Midian Desert as an example for 40 years. Uh, and after, actually, if you look to the Bible and you see the number 40 over and over again, uh, often t- that's an example of people who were having to learn to wait and trust the Lord. Sometimes they didn't do it so well. <laughs> and so 40 days turned into 40 years. And Moses is a good example of this, and we're going to kind of key in on, you guys got Exodus uh, 14? Um, we're going to key in on this one little section of the children of Israel leaving um, Egypt. Um, Exodus 14, 13. Uh, yeah, go to verse 13. And let's look at this in the uh, King James. And then we'll go all the way back to verse 1. It says, and Moses said unto the people, What? Fear ye not, stand still, and what? See the salvation of the Lord, which he has taken the responsibility to show you this day. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, ye shall see them again, how often? No more, how long? Forever. Now, here's Moses standing before the people, and of course, this is in the middle of this chapter, so we're going to go back and see all what was going on, but he's saying, fear ye not, so they were scared of something, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, not your salvation, not you working it out, it's his salvation, and he's not only giving you his salvation, he's also taking on the responsibility to get it to you, and it says, which he will show you today, for the Egyptians which you have seen, your enemies that you've seen, you're not going to see them anymore. That sounds like good news, doesn't it? Uh, Let's look at the verse uh, 14. It says, the Lord shall do what? But when? And ye shall hold your what? Peace. "Peace." Uh, Now let's go all the way back to verse 1. Let's look at this in context and see what was going on. Is it okay we do this? Yeah, I want you to see this. It says, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying speak unto the children of Israel that they turn and encamp before that place between Migdal, I ain't about to play with that, and the sea. You're not a real preacher unless you can pronounce it. You pronounce it. Uh, <laughs> uh, over against Zephon, before it ye shall, uh, shall encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. So what God was doing, he was saying, listen, Moses, he was giving him a strategy for victory. And he was saying, hey, you guys go over there and camp over there because Pharaoh's going to think y'all trapped yourselves. And he's going to try to come and attack y'all. So God was setting something up. He was kind of using them as bait, now that I think about it. Uh, (laughs) Number four, uh, and, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Huh. That he shall follow after them and I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his host. Here's the big thing I want you to underline if you are reading this in a regular uh, paper Bible. That the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And what happened? And they did so. Now, what was the goal? He had set before Moses? He had told him what to do, but what was the goal? The goal was so that the Egyptians would know God. Now we read the story many times, and we look at everything else, but the purpose of this whole crossing of the Red Sea that's about to come up was so that the people, the nation, the Egyptians, would know God. Now, it's kind of nuts when I'm thinking about it because God was willing to use his children as the bait <laughs> so that others could know him. Ever felt like a worm on a hook trusting God? <laughs> Ever felt like a little fish out there like, Lord, when are you going to pull me up? Help me. But you got to understand, God is trying to catch folks with your life. He is trying to literally expose you to the world so that they can know him. You're sitting up there worried about you. And God's like, listen, I got you. You, my child. I'm trying to use you and what's going on with you so that others will get to know me. But you got to be willing to trust me. You got to be willing to look at me. You got to be willing to be on my plan for your life. You got to be willing to to run my race. I know it looks like I got you as bait, but I got you in my hand. I am actually using you as bait. I got to bait the world back to me through you because my Christ, my son, is in you. And if you could just allow me to lift him up in you, then I can draw all the men back unto me. Here you're seeing way back in the Old Testament, by the way, before the law was written, God using the same plan, saying I want people to get to know me, but I got to have a people that will trust me. We often say that the children of Israel is not that they were just so unique, they were just the first test group. And here it is, to this day God's doing the same thing. Archie, are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to move where I tell you to move? Are you willing to do what I tell you to do? Are you willing to sow what I tell you to sow? Are you willing to sacrifice what I tell you to sacrifice? Are you and Melissa willing to expose your life to everybody I tell you to expose your life to so that people can see that I'm real in your life with your imperfect selves, with your imperfect marriage, with your imperfect uh, family? I am, I am able to take this imperfect and make it perfect. If you're willing to show people that and expose people that, they'll see my love, they'll see my power, and as a result, they'll say, I want what you got because I need what you got. So very quickly, you start understanding that in waiting for the Lord, it's not about me. He said that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Let's, uh, where are we at? Is there four? (laughs) Let's keep going. Verse five. And it was told the king of Egypt, that the people fled. And the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was what? Turned against the people. The very people God's trying to get to know him. And they said, why have we done this? This is Pharaoh now. Why have we done this? That we have let Israel go from serving us. Now the funny thing was, I could have sworn Pharaoh knew. But he's literally like, well, why have we done this? We, now we ain't got no servants. And he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. And he took 600, what type of chariots? That means he took the best ones. 600 chosen chariot, but he didn't stop there. And all the chariots of Egypt. I mean, all guys, that's a lot of chariots. It's like saying I took all my best drivers and the best 600 cars in Texas. And all the rest of the cars in Texas with me. There's a lot of chariots. And captains over every one of them, and the Lord hardened their hearts. Uh, Different translations say hardened, some say strengthened, some say gave them courage or or made them brave. Basically, they got gassed up. Like, you can do it. You can do it. Go for it. So they got gassed up. They got hyped up. And and the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with a. What does that say? High hand. In the amplified, it actually says, uh, "Yeah, the Lord made hard and strong the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the Israelites for they left proudly and defiantly." Now I say a high hand. I don't say a high finger, but they left out. <laughs> we we'll just say it with the words, "With a high hand." One translation says, praising the Lord. (laughs) But they left out, excited and focused on God and yeah, God has freed us and everything like that. So they started chasing them. Verse nine, but the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army and overtook them encamping by the sea or he caught up to them besides that other place before Baal Zephon. Verse 10, and when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their what? Eyes. Them eyes, man, be getting us in trouble. Now, you got you to make sure you see everything in the Word. It all has a purpose. This whole time, they weren't paying attention to whatever Pharaoh was doing. We, we, we focused on God. But as soon as danger came near, hadn't touched him yet. But as soon as danger came near, they lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And they were what? God just delivered them. This is their father. This is their, this is their defender. This is their rescuer. And yet when danger came close, and they beheld something other than him, fear entered in. And the children of Israel cried out, Unto the Lord, and they said unto Moses, Because there was no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? But they're literally like, you know, we could have we could have did this at home. <laughs> Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Put this in the uh, look at this in the uh, NIV verse eleven. It says, they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us into the desert to die? What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? How dare you bring us out of a safe place where we were slaves? How dare you bring us out of a place where we were oppressed? How dare you bring us out of the place that we weren't supposed to be at in the first place because that's not where God had for us? How dare you, 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 you rescue us? Didn't we say, uh, verse 12 in the NIV, didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. It would have been better for me, Lord, had I just stayed where I was at. It would have been better for me, Lord, had I just did what I wanted to do. That's who they were really talking to. How many guys know they weren't trusting God? How many guys know they weren't waiting for God? How many guys know that half of y'all plus the other half of y'all would have just left them to die in that desert with their ungrateful selves? Now, who got killed up to this point? Who got captured up to this point? Who got robbed up to this point? They only saw what appeared to be danger. And that's what people do to this whole day. There's another word for this. We call it panic. How do I know I'm not waiting for the Lord? When I'm panicking, when I become anxious about something. Nothing even Panic is groundless fear. Nothing has even happened. They just said they might lay you off. They just said what they think they see on your, on your test. But you know what God's word says because you are a child of God. Verse 13, Moses answered the people, and what did he tell them? Do not be afraid. Fear not. Stand firm and you will see. Stand firm and you're going to see it. Trust God and you're going to see it. Because it's done. It's there. But you got to stand firm. you got to trust him. The opposition is going to come. It's going to try to get close to you, but it cannot touch you. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. Why? Because that's what he said up in verse 1, 2, 3 or wherever. Was that up there? He said, you're not going to see these. Let me do it real quick. Let me just hold your finger there. <laughs> and the Lord said unto Moses, speak unto the children of Israel that they turn and encamp before that place. Before it you shall encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they're entangled in the land and the wilderness to so shut them in. And verse 4, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart that he shall follow after them and I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts and the Egyptians will know what? I, that I am the Lord. The Amplified. They will know uh, that I am the Lord and then they did so. He said, listen, I've already promised you the victory. I've already promised you And that other scripture, says that you're not going to see them anymore. He was addressing their sight earlier on. Watch what you look at. Watch what you're focusing on. Watch what you're paying attention to. Let's go back to verse, what were we at, 14? 13. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see deliverance to the Lord will bring you to today. The Egyptians, back to sight, you see today, you will never see again. He's reminding them of what God said. Now, I love it here because Moses is being gracious as a leader. He didn't cut them off. He didn't leave them alone in the desert just because they begin to lose heart. He said, no, I'm going to remind you of the word of the Lord. You want to know how to stay focused? Keep reminding yourself of God's word. Stay in that word. Stay in relationship with him, and you'll be able to keep heart. The Lord will fight for you. Thank you Father. He gives them the solution. You only need to be still. Amen. Cool. Now here's God talking. Then the, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Now I could preach a whole message out of that, right? <laughs> Y'all know me. I, Why are you whining? Why are you crying? Why are you still asking? I told you what to do. I told you I got you. I told you how this was going to work out. So get up off the floor. You're delivered. You're set free. All is well. You have, you're you're starting to lose sight of why I'm doing this in the first place. It wasn't about you. It was to get the Egyptians to know me. And now that I've brought my people closer to you who are supposed to be my light, who are supposed to be radiating my love, you're not reflecting me, you're reflecting fear because you're focused on fear. So now I'm, I'm struggling to use you to help them. Oh, y'all don't hear what I'm saying today. That's why he said, Why are you crying to me? Ain't nothing wrong with you. You cry when something's wrong. You know, you've never seen a baby that just fake crying? Ah. And you just be like, there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. You just want, you just want what? Attention. But God's like. Whoa. Why are you crying to me? And it's so, it, I laughed when I read this because it was so quick. He just said, why are you crying to me? Tell the Israelites, move on. Move on. And that's what some of us need to do. We need to what? The amplifier says, tell the people of Israel to go forward. Been stuck in that same spot for two years, 20 years. God said, what what are you waiting for? I gave you the promise. Oh, sure, crazy stuff is trying to happen around you, but it can't touch you. It only touches you when you engage it. You may see fire, but fire ain't going to burn you unless you choose to touch it. Verse 16, uh, we'll stick to the NIV It says, raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea. And that's often that picture you see people drawing and stuff. Uh, Stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Verse 17, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army. He's He's back to the same purpose. He's trying to remind him again. I'm just using you guys to try to save a nation, (laughs) try to help. Through through his chariots and his horsemen, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Now, I want you to recognize something here too because a lot of people, um, you know, say, where's the grace and everything? You see grace in action right here. They literally just said to God's face, we don't trust you. We don't believe you, and we do not appreciate what you've done for us up to this point. And yet, God gives them another way of escape. Now, notice that this is pre law being given. Remember, in a few chapters, about four or six, about six chapters away, the law is going to be given, and God then deals totally different with the children of Israel. I mean, folks start dying and stuff for acting like this. But right now, there is no Old Testament, even though this is in the Old Testament part of the Bible, there there is no covenant in place. There's literally the Abrahamic covenant that's in place, which is strictly believe God. Even when you mess up, believe God. Because how many of you guys know Abraham messed up? If you didn't know, he really was messing up. But he believed God. And they were they were at this point able to operate under that same agreement that even if I mess up as long as I believe God he'll forgive me and we'll get back on this thing the right way and I'm here to tell you that that same grace is available to you today because the law is no longer in effect in our lives because, see, you sit here and you hear this message and you realize, I haven't been trusting God. I haven't been waiting for God. And you'll start feeling condemned. I'm telling you, there's an example right in front of you of millions of people who literally were not trusting God and yet he kept creating ways of escape. Him. So you take courage today, amen? amen. Verse 19, it says, then the angel of God who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, you guys remember that whole pillar that was in front of them, leading them? It says, it was in front of the army, withdrew and went behind them. Why did it withdraw and go behind them? Well, he had already given them direction where to go. But now he had to have her back. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. See, God will not only lead you, but he'll protect you as well. Yeah. And they knew where to go. Where, where should we go? Well, it ain't too hard. It's water on this side, and it's water on that side. You ain't walking through that. Go that way. And they had to trust God and set their eyes on what was ahead. Following the word that God told them, move on, move forward. So I don't need a pillar of light when I got his word. His word is the light. When he tells me what to do, I got all the light I need, but I got to have somebody having my back. And God is your real reward. He has your back. But now if you turn away from his will and start going in the opposite direction, who's protecting you then? Because God got your back. Obedience (laughs) helps you stay in the right way forward because there's no danger when you are in God's will. Nothing in front of you can hurt you. Nothing in front of you can harm you. Nothing in front of you will stop you because you're walking in God's will he's made sure the path is clear for you. So keep focusing and moving forward. That's why he said don't turn to the right. Don't turn to the left because the safety is forward and I got your back. But if your forward is no longer my forward, then there's danger. Then there's things I stumble on. Then there's things that have caused me to fall. But when I'm walking your path, there's nothing but provision and clarity. If you understand that, say amen. amen. So throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the ones, uh, one side and light to the other side, so the Egyptians remained in darkness. So neither went near the other all night long. Verse uh, 20, uh, 21. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all the night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. So they didn't go over on mud. He literally not only cleared the path, but he, he dried it for them and made it hard for them to easily get across. The waters were divided, verse 22. And the Israelites went through the sea on what type of ground? I declare, dry ground in your life. You know, dry ground is ground you don't get stuck in. Dry ground is ground and it's just easy to get across. You ever walk to the airport, and you know, sometimes you get on certain ground and it ain't that smooth, and you you know you got to struggle. We were going through the airport the other day, and it was I got to the rug, and it was like, oh Jesus, that you know that ain't. But I, when I was on the smooth concrete, it was just easy. And that's what God's saying: this ground is gonna be an easy ground for you to walk to When you when you follow Him, it's not a hard thing. Man. With, all, with, with the wall of water on their right and on their left. Verse uh, 23. The Egyptians then, like God said, pursued them. And all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. Verse 24. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud and at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. See, confusion is not for you. It's for your enemies. You been say, "I'm confused." That ain't for you. Confusion has its place, but not in your life. Amen. Verse 25: He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, "Let's get away from the Israelites. Your enemies will give up, and you ain't got to worry about it. You don't know what's happening to them. Why? Because I'm focused." All I know is they can't touch me. All I know is they can't catch me. They, they, they thought they were going to catch up to you, but you can't catch me. I'm with God, girl. You can't catch me. I'm with God, man. You can't stop me. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Your enemies will recognize who fights for you. I need you to recognize who is fighting for you. They talking about it in the meetings about you already. They're like, we can't get this person out of here. They hating on you left and right, and they're saying something is stopping this person from just getting out of here. It's getting on our nerves. You've been sent there to get that demon, to stir it up so it can be exposed and can get out of that place. You've been sent there to be a blessing to that place. Don't you give up from that place God has sent you to? Amen. I made a determination a long time ago in my life that, Lord, wherever you send me to, if there's opposition, I'm not going to give up just because people got a problem with me. I'm secure in you and where I'm at. And just because some demon that's now getting exposed in this place or in this house or in this organization or in this ministry, just because it's getting exposed, it ain't going to run me off. You got to understand that you will be sent to help draw people towards God, but in the process of that, you will stir up the enemy on the inside of folks. Yeah. Yeah. And you gotta understand that's part of your that's part of that's just part of what happens. I'm trying to find the right way to articulate it. It literally just happens. Some people say new level, new devil. Like, yeah kind of sort of but it's literally you will go into a place. Some of y'all how many of y'all experienced what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you go into a place you're like why are everybody mad at me? Yeah. I ain't did nothing to nobody. I'm just here go. going to work, trying to help all y'all jokers out as a matter of fact, I'm always the one helping with this and helping with that, da-da-da. And all of a sudden, y'all got a problem with me? For For what? For God. That's why. The enemy's like, oh my goodness, they starting to like him. Oh my goodness, they starting to like her. Oh my goodness, they want to promote them. They want to give them increase. They want to give them more of a platform. And oh my goodness, if... He has more of a platform or she has more of a platform. Now God has more of a platform. And then the enemy, you because know, the enemy don't always know God's plan. Actually, I don't think he ever really knows it, but it does start kind of coming to light. And he starts getting a little nervous. Remember, he's the one that gives fear because he got fear. He begins to say, oh my goodness, they're going to see God. I got to get them out of here. And he's depending upon that clever sin to trip you up. He's depending upon you being willing to not wait for God, but to become God of your own life. He's depending upon you getting in your feelings and getting offended. And as we've learned about offense, it gets you off the end that God has intended for your life. But instead, I declare that you're able to wait for the Lord. I declare that you're able to trust him. I declare that you're able to make it through anything with Christ as your example. Amen. Let's finish this up. Is this helping you today? Yeah. Uh, 26. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hands to the sea uh, so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians. So he stretched out his uh, his hands to separate the water. Now the Egyptians are actually in the path that was not designed for them. It was only for his people. They tried to run, but they ain't make it. Your enemies may try to run, but God got them. Now, 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 understand—he ain't killing folks on your behalf. They, they, you know, let me clarify this. Lord, kill him! <laughs> Just kill him! I pray that God swallows you up like He did the Egyptians. <laughs> no. But God will remove folks that are trying to hinder his plan. Still giving them an opportunity to know him. And that's what I had to learn. I had to to get vengeance off my heart and put it on him. And so I began to pray this certain prayer. I said, Lord, change them or change them. Change them in their hearts or change them to another place where they can get to know you better somewhere else but you gonna change. And then at that somewhere else place, you'll have another opportunity because of his grace, because of his mercy, to get to know him. But you you can't be where God has called me to be and be causing all that mess. Because we about the business of serving the Lord. Somebody say, how can you be bold enough to pray that? Because I'm about my father's business. And my father don't need all that in his business. So we all get a chance to grow up and change, or we go to a place where we can change. But that place needs to be, for all of us, where he calls us to be. I don't want you to be the person on the other side of that. Amen? Who is unable to trust God and wait for God. So now he has to, uh, now you miss him in this one area, and you end up in this hard place learning how to change. Y'all want me to go back to the Bible? Okay, I'm going to go back to the Bible. Verse 27. (laughs) Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak... The sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. They were trying to get away, and he pulled them back in. Verse 28, the water flowed back and covered the chariots and the horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. Somebody said, God do a complete work, don't he? Uh, verse 29, but the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. Verse 30, do you see that they were protected on all sides? There's a reason why he keeps saying wall over and over again. The elements of the sea couldn't harm them, the water couldn't harm them, the, 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 the pillar of fire was behind them, the, the enemy pursuing them couldn't harm them, and there was nothing but promise on the other side. There was nothing but provision on the other side. You know, God has you protected and provided for on all sides. Now remember God's promise. He said, you're not going to see these people no more. That the day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians and Israel saw, now here's back to sight. You see this keep reoccurring in this whole thing. They were, you know, God said, be careful what what you're looking at. And then he started looking at the enemy alive and well, looking like he's about to attack them. But now they see the enemy again and Israel saw the Egyptians, what? Lying dead on the shore. The attacks of the enemy for your life you will see them lying dead. The plans that the enemy had are dead. The sickness that he's trying to attack your body with is dead. The poverty that he's trying to attack you with is dead. But you got to see it that way. Verse 31. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him And in Moses, his servant. Now I want to say this to you because normally I like to end a message with everybody, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's going to happen because I want to show you today, and I want to leave you with a challenge that when I was studying this, that God left me with for you guys. Because we're talking about waiting for the Lord, and in order to wait for the Lord, I got to know the Lord, right? He took me to this, and he said, "Listen, these were my children." And many people get one thing out of this story, but the thing he wanted us to get today was they feared me only after they saw me move. They didn't fear me just because they knew me. We got to fear God just because we know who he is. When I say fear, I mean respect and honor him. We got to just know him because he's father. We got to just know him out of relationship. It shouldn't take a move of God to get you to trust him. It should just be by the fact that I am from him that I trust him. This example of the children of Israel is actually a warning not to follow. God should not have to rescue us for us to trust him. We should always just trust him that if we end up in danger, he will rescue us. Because as I wait for him, I can only do that if I believe him. Here it was, God was trying to move and use Israel to get the Egyptians to know him, yet his own children still didn't really know him. They didn't believe him. They didn't trust him. But but, but the good news is he was so gracious that he still gave them a chance to grow up. He still rescued them. He still provided for them. So I'm here to tell you today that God has provided for you but there is a greater life waiting for you if you would just trust him because you know him. He wants you to mature so he can take you to another place. My oldest daughter just got her driver's license and she's driving now, glory to God. (laughs) And as an 18-year-old teenager, she's now finding out that there's a whole nother life Available to somebody who has a license and a vehicle to drive. Because when she was not as mature and not able to drive, mom and dad had to drive her around, and so therefore her destinations were limited. Yeah. The time that she could remain there, the fun that she could have, and she, she could only do what her maturity level would allow. But now that she's grown up, now that she's maturing, she now has access or access to, to things she never had before. Now her destinations have multiplied. Why? Because she grew up and she did what was needed to be done. And, and I'm saying that's what God was telling me when I looked at verse 31. He said, It's time for my people to know how to wait on me and to grow up. It's time to become disciplined and not take a step in any area of life without saying, Lord, what do you want me to have? Hear what I said? Not to do. To do comes after he tells you what he wants you to have. What do you want me to have? Because I trust you. And as I then step out in boldness to what you say to do, no matter what danger comes my way, I won't fear. I won't be afraid. I won't panic. I will stick to what you said. And as a result, I know I'll be victorious in every area of my life. Amen. How many of you guys understand that? Amen. How many of you guys believe that? Amen. How many of you guys receive that? Amen. Then let's give God praise for that. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. So we're just going to keep... Uh, You know, just keep chewing on this. Keep walking through this. Because like I said, I want you to really, really know. Because to me, this is probably one of the primary keys of being a believer. Is knowing how to wait for and trust God. And if I can know how to wait for and trust God, everything in life just kind of falls together. Because that's what life is. is It's a bunch of decisions that you got to make. And so when we start with the source of him, man, life can be lived in abundance. Amen? Amen? Amen. Well, um... Let's go ahead and trust God with our giving. Uh, I'm, I'm excited that we get an opportunity to worship God in giving. in. Amen. Um, I, I, yeah, yeah, you can give God praise. I love the fact that I get to tithe. I don't have to tithe uh, in the sense of, you know, you got to tithe to be blessed. I am blessed because of what Jesus did. But tithing is now just a way of me honoring God as the source of all my finances. That's what Abraham did. Again, before the law, Abraham did give a tenth of what he had but it was to honor God. So the question, again, back to waiting for the Lord. The question is, is just, do you trust him? Because now it really does take trust to give with the the freedom and understanding that, wait a minute, am I going to just be broke? No, not necessarily. The blessing is there. But now the law of sowing and reaping is still a real spiritual principle. It's still good for me to tithe. I like the example Dr. Dollar gives. He said his dad used to uh, say he was going to whoop him uh, if he ran into the street he said but now his dad is going home to be with the lord but how many guys know it's still not a good idea just to run off into the street so there's things that even though there's no law for it even more anymore it's still a good thing to do so tithing is definitely good giving is definitely of the lord and you're giving into great ground amen you're not giving into ground that's going to be wasteful uh world changing church Houston is good ground i was just joking with the uh pastoral class this morning that uh, i told him i said hey, it's hot like, in here i said turn the air down And I forgot our air conditioner got fixed on last week. Uh, There's a whole 20 ton unit back here and there's another one on this side. And man, they turned that thing down in seconds. This room was freezing. And I just thank God that we had air conditioner. I thought about the churches over in Africa that we support. They used to meet under a tree before we built them a church. And we built the church, but we didn't put an air conditioner in yet. Amen. They ain't got no electricity out there just yet. And I said, Lord, thank you that we don't have to meet under a tree thank you that we don't have to be like the churches that we were in haiti that put the four fans in the ceiling uh like them little oscillating fans that are about that big and that's all they got is in 120 degree weather and i told the class earlier i said you know it costs fifteen thousand dollars to get that thing fixed but i praise god we had it because of your giving amen And I'm not not about to be, so I need everybody to give a $1,000 check. No, mm -mm. you do what God tells you to do. But I want you to know it goes into good ground. Nobody wasting your your giving because we honor God with your giving. Amen? Uh, So trust God on today and and, and watch what he does. And we're going to trust the God in you to do all that needs to be done. And every need in this house is met in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so go ahead and take those offering envelopes, or if you're given by text, you can grab your phone. And Father, we thank you for the seeds that we're sowing today. We thank you that every need in the house is met, and we give you all the glory and praise for the victory that comes as a result of our obedience to you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Really quickly, so we can get you out of here. Thank oh, and thank you guys for letting me take a few extra minutes today. I just really, we're just really walking through this. Somebody's like, "We used to get out at 11:30. Now, what you doing?" Uh, you know, today we just, you know, uh, take a few extra minutes to explain what the word says. Uh, but if you're in this place and you don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we want to give you a chance to get saved. Or maybe you're here and you say, I am saved, but I have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. The Bible says power will come upon us in that second experience. Holy Spirit lives in you, but literally the power of God comes upon you, according to Acts 1 and 8, to do the work of the Lord. And that's something we all need if we want to uh, literally live our lives for God. And last but not least, if you don't have a ch- good church home, we would love to have you a part of World Changers. We are a part of the World Changers Nation, as we call it, under Dr. Dollar and Pastor Taffy, with my wife, Melissa, and I, who are the senior pastors here. And we're helping make a mark that cannot be erased by helping people understand grace and be empowered to change. And that's what we're all about. Uh, from the babies all the way up to uh, to the adults. So if you believe that God has called you to be a part of that type of vision, then we would love you uh, to come down to the front and be a part of this place. So I'm gonna ask everybody to stand to your feet. I want you to minister to those who are around you, ask them if they need prayer for any one of those three things, salvation, baptism of the Holy Spirit, or to join a church. And if they would say yes to any one of those three things, help them come down to the front so we can pray with and for them and welcome them on today. Let's do that right now. Just talk to those very briefly who are around you. Let's minister to them. favor and stretch your hands towards our sister as they talk down here. Um, Father God, we thank and praise you right now for our dear sister. We thank you right now, Lord, uh, for the decision that she's uh, making for you. Um, Whatever that decision is, we thank you that it was going to bring glory to your kingdom and be a blessing in her life. So right now, we give you all the glory and praise for the victory that comes for her and our entire family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, Sister Janice is going to take you out uh, and she's going to minister to you and pray with you and uh, help you maintain what you came to receive. We thank you so much for coming down uh, and being a blessing. Amen? Amen. Let's give God a hand clap of praise for our sister. Oh, you can do better than that. Let's give God a hand clap of praise. Amen. Well, guys, I want you guys to know we love you guys so much uh, like i said uh, earlier if you don't see pastor melissa and i every now and then throughout the next few weeks we're just living our best life um, we do have time for y'all though Amen, uh, and, and we just want you to continue to trust uh, the word that comes from the pulpit in our Wednesday services and Thursday services and Sunday services, and, uh, and we've always been a mature body of believers, so we're excited to see what God does, amen? Amen, so uh, raise your hands and be prepared to be dismissed. Father, we thank you that we're able all this week to discipline ourselves and wait on you, wait for you, Father God, as our source, expecting you to move, to give us wisdom and direction. We place our number one priority on you and all else has to come behind that. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and present us faultless before the almighty God. To him be glory, majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. I speak favor, I speak blessing, I speak increase, I speak promotion as we follow your will. In Jesus name, amen. Amen, we love you guys so much, you are dismissed.